Good morning, Shoreline. How are you? I'm excited to be here this morning. Uh, you know, thank you for uh, for being here. Karen and I just returned from our vacation. Uh, we went to, uh, which we'll never do again, by the way. Uh, not a vacation, just the location of our vacation was in the southwest part of the United States, driving and camping to the Grand Canyon, visiting Albuquerque, New Mexico. Uh, Josh and Stacy Peterson say hello to Shoreline. They are very happy there. Uh, and then going to a small town called TRC in New Mexico, where Karen's father uh, is from and family. And then uh, headed down to Las Cruces. And then we wrapped around Phoenix. And every sw swimming pool that I jumped into was like a, was like a, was like a jacuzzi. <laughs> you know, I thought it was going to be cool and fresh, but even the hotel pools were warm. At least in almost 90 degrees. It was quite hot. So, uh, mental note: go in the winter. Mental note. Uh, we are. We want to say hello to all our friends who are visiting from other churches. And if you're visiting here uh, in our neighborhood, we are so happy that you're here. We're glad you're here. Uh, the brothers are setting up a little PowerPoint. Hopefully, the people on this side can see that. I'm not sure. I may have to back up just a little bit so you guys can see a little bit there. I, I do want to be sensitive. Um, you know, we are going to say, uh, we, all, we, we want to say welcome back to Brigidio, it's, that's T. Torres, who came back from his Navy deployment, and uh, he's right back there, raise your hand, T, T and Leslie, two children here, he's got a daughter in Texas, and uh, they will be going back to uh, Dallas, Texas, uh, to be with his family, his daughter who is there, and to be with the church there, and uh, it, it's, a, it's a welcome home, but I know it's going to be a quick goodbye, so I wanted to at least announce that. So get your time in with T uh, before he leaves. We're going to have a ceremony on September 4th uh, at the Ventura Cross at 430. Have a little retirement ceremony uh, for him, you know, with, with some of the brothers and sisters here. Uh, that'd be great if you can attend that. I do want to also let you know that uh, pray for the Matthews family. Uh, James Hogan is friends with Bruce Matthews, and Bruce died in a sporting accident on the ocean. And he leaves behind a disciple wife and two young children. So um, it is, it's a very tragic situation. Please uh, um, be praying for the whole family. It's very, very challenging. We had Chad Shefferly die suddenly a few years ago, if you guys remember Chad. Um, so these things do happen, and we've got to rally around and encourage uh, the wife and the children and pray for them of their safety and uh, their spiritual growth with, uh, you know, learning to live life, you know, without your dad is, is difficult, as some of you guys know. So, um, so a lot of things to pray about, a lot of things to, to, to get after spiritually. We're doing a little series on Jonah. I know it's not accurate, the picture, Jonah was not captured by a whale, was captured by a large fish, but, you know, in the storybooks, that's what comes, comes to mind. And I wanted to do a little bit of, of, of a review about the book of Jonah, so we all can be on the same page. Um, Jonah, it's, as, as, as you entered the boat, the sailors were astonished that he was running from God. And they said, why would you do it? Why did you do that? Why would you run from God? And the whole chapter one is Jonah getting a commission from God to go and speak to the, uh, the Ninevites, which Jonah had a big problem with because Jonah was such a patriotic Israelite. He was such a pro-Israelite that to see and help people that were competing, that wanted to dominate Israel, why would I want to go over there and share about God's forgiveness and mercy? Now, I'm not doing that. 
That was his patriotism. There are our, our sworn enemies. Why would I want to go help them? And so we see that in the book of Jonah, that this is the date. It's about 780 to 740 BC. That was the time frame. Israel was expanding territorially. Um, the Assyrians were growing in power. Uh, and he had a few prophets uh, that were alongside in different parts of Israel. And that was Amos and that was Hosea, and you can read their, their letters or their other chapters of, of the Bible in the Old Testament, how God was trying to get um, them to repent. Now, the location is Nineveh, and the purpose of this book is to really express to us and to them the universality of God's love. God, is, God even in the Old Testament, their, their mission was to save the Jews and save and, and be a light to the Gentiles. And to, God was always the all-nation God. He wasn't just the one race, the one nation God. He was always the all-nation God. Amen. And he really wanted to show Jonah where he was at and going to Nineveh. And there's a little map of the area. Uh, there, it's in this area right here. This is a vast desert, so they always go around. And this is what God had predicted and told the Israelites, if you don't change, if you don't repent, this nation will overtake you. And so... The theme of Jonah is it's calling God's people to repent and it reminds us of her mission. And that was to preach to all nations God's mercy and love. It was God's direction back then. And it was, a, it was one of the last directions that Jesus gave in Matthew 28. Go into all the nations and go and make disciples. Amen. You know, God, this God is not the God of the New Testament. He's different in the Old. He's the same God of the Old and same God of the New. So it's the same thing, but you're sitting here as a disciple. It's the same calling. But are you running from the calling? Are you a churchgoer? Sometimes we can convince ourselves that we just want to be churchgoers. Don't forget the calling. Maybe it's been months, six months, or even years that you even shared your faith. Mm -hmm. Open the Bible with a friend. Encourage somebody. It's the same, same concept. Jonah chapter 1 was running away from God. And this was the, the Nahum, the prophet says, Woe to that city of blood. They're full of lies, full of plunder. They're never without victims. It was a sad affair that people without God, how they behave, how they act. And it was God's heart to send Jonah to these people. It is God's heart to send us to our people and our community. Victor and Lisa's story is, a very popular story in our country, in our communities. People are divorcing all of the time. People are miserable because they don't have a relationship with God. Yeah. So Jonah chapter 2, that brings us to chapter 2, running, not away, but running toward God. Amen. You know, God had an easier time wanting to forgive Nineveh than Jonah did. God's compassion is contrasted with Jonah's lack of compassion. Why? Because Israel, God's people, were to be a light to all the nations. And the test case here was Jonah. He was to ex extend God's love to the hated, wicked city of Nineveh. You ever had a neighbor that you're annoyed with? Amen, bro. Amen. Who plays music when he shouldn't play it past ten? who drives a little too fast on the street. There are, I'm just describing my neighborhood, by the way. 
There's kids, I have to put cones out, and they blow by the cone. You know, the last thing on my mind is to go share God's forgiveness with them. Yeah, a few other things to share. I want to share an egg and throw an egg out their car. That's what I want to do. I want to egg their car. You know, when someone that you see that is, is doing something, some harm that lives around you, the last thing in your heart I feel is I want to go extend God's love and bring cookies. You know, I'll do that when you're new to the neighborhood. But as soon as you start sinning in the neighborhood, it, I, I, my love gets decreased. And it's the calling that Jonah calls us that no matter how wicked, no matter how annoying, no matter how bad people around you are, it is the call of God to go to the people. It is the call of God. Yet God, or Yahweh, loves Nineveh. God loves the sinner. You know, you were once that sinner. You were once that person. And God loved you when you were wicked in his sight. Even though Jonah hates the, hates the Ninevites and longs for their destruction, we see a huge contrast between God and Jonah. So in Jonah chapter 1, we end there with this. But the Lord provided a great fish to swallow Jonah, and, and Jonah was inside this fish for three days and three nights. And Jesus actually uh, refers to this event. This is not a storybook. This is not a, a, a poetic illustration that, you know, he has had a, Jesus cites this as a historical fact. As just as he was in the belly for three days, I will be in the earth for three days. So it's a historical fact. It's not a, a bedtime story that we read children in a nursery book. This is real. And Jonah thought that going, jumping into the sea, that death was his way out. You know, a lot of times, when you're not doing well with God, and you're running from God, we get so worldly in our sorrow. We get so full of self-pity. Woe is me. Just like the prodigal son when he ran. He runs from God the Father. You know, what pride does to our hearts is destructive. It blocks you from seeing the heart of God. It makes you think you're the only one who is right. It breeds quarrels, the Bible says. God hates pride. And so God prepared a fish to humble Jonah. God was working at the, his lowest spiritual state. When he was running from God, God was still working to bring him to, to closer to him. Because God's kindness leads us to repentance. Amen, Romans 2. And while he's inside the belly of the fish, he begins to pray. His praising of God and his thankfulness of God. So look in your Bibles in verse 1 of chapter 2. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord. He said, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From the depths of the grave, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. You hurled me into the deep, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled around me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. You know, I watch a lot of the uh, fishing shows or the you know, deadliest catch. And, you know, I should have been dead. And, 
You know, I've read books on uh, about, about Louis Zamperini and uh, the Unbroken, how in World War II, his uh, plane crashed into the ocean, and he was at sea for 47 days. And it is a violent, it is a, a, a thirsty experience. People usually die at sea. You don't live very long. It is very frightening. And to try to save you from, even with the fanciest of helicopters and the fanciest of planes, it is hard to spot you in the ocean. Most people go to their death there. And once in a while they make it, and then you get to watch the glory on TV. But most of the time, they die. And there was Jonah. His pride put him in this condition. But it also helped him realize how much he needed God. He no longer was concerned that his plans were better than God's plans. That's when, that's when you know your, your pride steps in. My plans are better. He wanted to, sh to be rescued, and he knew only God could rescue. And for some people, they need to hit their lowest point in their life to begin to see God, to see who he is. God has to humble them. God has to break their pride before they can acknowledge and see where they're at. And Jonah, now he longed for God's presence when he was at his lowest point. And most people will do that. Even atheists do that. There's this atheist swimming in the ocean, and all of a sudden he sees this shark in the water. So he starts swimming toward his boat. As he looks back, he sees the shark turn and head towards him. His boat is ways off, and he starts swimming like crazy. He's scared to death. And as he turns to see the jaws of the great white beasts open his teeth in a horrific splendor, the atheist screams, Oh God, save me! In that instant, time is frozen, and a bright light shines down from above. The man is motionless in the water, when he hears the voice of God say, You are an atheist. Why do you call upon me when you do not believe in me? Aghast with confusion, and knowing he can't lie, the man replies, Well, that's true, I don't believe in you, but how about the shark? Can you make the shark believe in you? The Lord replies, As you wish. And the light retracted back into the heavens, and the man could feel the water begin to move again at once. As the atheist looks back, he can see the jaws of the shark start to close down on him, when all of a sudden, the shark stops and pulls back. Shocked, the man looks at the shark as the huge beast closes his eyes and bows his head and says, Thank you, Lord, for this food which I'm about to receive. <laughs> Even in their most dire situation, whether you really believe in God or not, People, our, our nature calls upon a higher power to come rescue us, to come save us. And, and what's sad is that if we don't have the heart of God, we won't be on that mission to help God save people. People are crying and dying inside. In chapter, verse, chapter, chapter 2, verse 4, let's, let's continue. He said, I have been banished from your sight. Yet I will look again toward your holy temple. The engulfing waters threaten me, and the deep surround me. Seaweed was wrapped around my head. To the roots of the mountain I sank down. The earth beneath barred me in forever. 
But you brought my life up from the pit, O Lord my God. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you and to your holy temple. You know, when you're in the belly of a fish, when you're in a situation where you're living like you're in the belly of a fish, you're a scared person. He was a scared man. But he begins to trust and he remembers the promises of God. And whenever you're not doing well spiritually, it's those promises that bring you back to God. And Jonah wanted to look at the temple. Are you looking at the face of God? Or are you still running away? Are you willing to run toward God? A lot of times, we want to run to people and not God. We want to put a human face on our problems and our situation. The first thing we must do is run to God. But do you look for the face of God? Like he says, I looked, I wanted to look at your temple. I wanted to see God. I want to know God more. You know, when Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, I'll read this to you. You can write it down. 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 38. Whatever, pe- whatever prayer, whatever supplication is made by anyone or by all your people Israel, when each one knows the plague of his own heart and spreads out his hands toward the temple, Then hear in heaven your dwelling place and forgive and act and to give to everyone according to all his ways whose heart you know that they may fear you all the days that they live in the land which you gave to our fathers. You know his prayer when he dedicated the temple that God was residing in was that that we may fear you. We may be in awe of God. When you sit and think about God, it puts an honest and a fear in your heart. Because He knows what's in your heart. He judges the living and the dead. So let me ask you, how are you doing spiritually? How are you really doing spiritually? And what I mean by that is, are you walking with God? Are you spending time with God? Are you in the Bible? Are you reading His Word? Are you praying? Because without that, you're not motivated to put your salvation to work. We don't work for salvation, but God says we have to put our salvation to work. You see how that works? We don't, we're not saved by going to share our faith. We are sharing faith because we're saved. Yeah. That's the parable of the mina. Remember? Put this to work. And it's not about the results. Don't get caught up in the results. God doesn't care about the results. That's His department. Our department is, are we putting our salvation to work? We're not going to compare who does it better. Who's more gifted? Because you say, well, that brother, it's his gift. It may be his gift of sharing. But that does not relieve you of your responsibility to go do it. He's like someone who's really good at serving and you're terrible at serving. Like, ah, he's so serving. He brought cookies. He's so thoughtful. That's not my gift. Right? Let him do it. No. You need to learn from him so you can fulfill your responsibility too. To love and to serve others. 
right? Matthew 25. When were you in prison? When did you, when did you get this? Because Jesus, hey, for the least of me, you've done for me. So it's important that we understand this concept. We're putting our salvation to work. Right. And God doesn't go, I'm comparing. That is not good. Because that breeds jealousy and quarrels. God just says, you individually go do it. Because what he gives you, it will produce something. Amen. It'll produce something Amen. to glorify God. Whether it's you get back 10, whether you get back 5, it's going to produce something. We just need to put it to work. So how can you change your heart? A lot of times, you know, sin, sin is, deceives our hearts and it creates this hard-hearted shell. In Hebrews 3.12 it says, you know, be careful of, of the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. It's deceiving. It lulls you in your thinking. And then, you, you know, self-evaluation doesn't catch the deceitfulness of your heart. Sometimes you do, sometimes you don't. It requires other people. Let me give you a memory verse as we go into the next, next chapter, or next uh, verse of chapter 2. Those who cling to worthless idols forfeit the grace that could be theirs. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I have vowed I will make good. Salvation comes from the Lord. You know, Jonah yields finally to God's will. Jonah admits that there's been idols in his life. Patriotism. What do you mean, Gio? You saw the Olympics. We saw when USA gets up there, we're fired up. Or if your nation gets up there, you're fired up. You know, USA just went down to Mexico last week in Azteca Stadium. I'm just going to lay it out because I'm a soccer player. The U.S. has never won an Azteca Stadium ever since competing against Mexico. Ever. And when they were going down there, I was like, I don't know, it's not going to go so good. High elevation, 90,000 Mexicans chanting. That's a pretty intimidating environment. I mean, I'm not talking about the Rose Bowl. I'm talking about Azteca Stadium. It's not the Rose Bowl I'm talking about. It's 90,000 Mexicans in there too. I'm talking about Azteca in Mexico City. Okay, let's, I want to differentiate there for my, for my peoples there. And to, and to know that's going to happen, I, against all odds, USA is just going to win, even though I, they never won there. It's your patriotism. 1-0, United States, boom. First time, everyone went crazy. Patriotism. You start watching things you never watched before. Gymnastics, who watches that? Come on. Who watches gymnastics? I mean, I, I know one person, Gabby. I don't even know Gabby. I, I don't even watch gymnastics, but Gabby's like my hero now. She won the gold medal. It's patriotism. I don't want them to do better than us. Right? That's what Jonah had. He was his idol. No, we're better. I'm not going to share with them. I want us to do well. I don't want them to do well. It's patriotism. An idol prevents you from being fully devoted to the work of the Lord. Whatever's stopping you from being fully devoted, there you'll find your idol. 
And no idol can ever deliver you. You forfeit the grace that could be yours. Because you stop putting your salvation to work. You lose your grateful hearts for the kingdom. And, jo and Jonah says here, I will sacrifice to you. It reminds me of Romans chapter 12. I will be a living sacrifice. I'll live a godly life. I'll be opposite of the world. I'll transform my mind to be godly, not worldly. I'll make good on my vow, he says here. I'll make good. Are you still willing to make good on your vow of making disciples of all nations? Well, I didn't make a vow like that. Yes, you did. When you said Jesus is Lord, you made that. When you said Jesus is Lord and you were baptized, you made that vow. Are you still making good? Are you still putting your salvation to work? After 10, 15, 20 years, 30 years as a Christian. Are you still putting it to work? Why? Because we, we told Jesus we wanted to be just like you. Because salvation comes from the Lord. In verse 10, it reads, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. It vomited Jonah onto dry land after he changed his heart. Sometimes the process is a little ugly. Because change is never easy. It gets a little ugly. I've seen, you know, we've seen each other vomit spiritually. But God puts Jonah where he needs to be. On the way to Nineveh. To go and to preach. To go and to teach sinners God's mercy and God's forgiveness. Are you in the belly of the fish right now? Are you, is God humbling you? Is your folly humbling you? The decisions you've made in your life, are they humbling you? Are you running toward God? Or are you running away from God? I want to encourage you if you're visiting with us, if you're visiting to study the Bible with us. Amen. We want to build a friendship with you. We want to know you. We want to really help put away any idol in your life because we don't want anyone to forfeit the grace that could be theirs. And I want us to memorize this. Those who cling, let's read it together. Those who cling to worthless idols Forfeit the grace that could be theirs. That's a, good, that's a good memory scripture for you and your wife to meditate on, to get unified on, and to really have the heart of God and run toward God. Not away, but run toward God. Thanks for your time, and thanks for being with us this morning. Thank you very much.